Last week, we had um, quite a few um, opportunities to hear from our elders, and I asked them to ask three questions. Uh, where does God want White Rose to go? Where are we at currently? And how are we going to move forward where God wants us to go? And before I get into those three questions and things, um, I, we were challenged with this at um, Bill Allison's thing, and most of the stuff I'm going to be talking about today comes from Bill Allison um, on disciple-making. Um, we're going to look at the formula of TW plus 4K times D3 equals disciple-makers. And you're like, what in the world does that mean? Well, you're going to get, you get to find that out this morning. Um, we're going to talk about that, and it's the, I'm very passionate about it. I've kind of talked about it a little bit when we went through the Revelation series, but I'm going to be talking about it again this morning, and I was very encouraged as well because our elders hit the um, the TW and the 4K, boom, they got all five points of those, um, so I was like, kudos on that. Um, but before we start evaluating the, with these questions, we first need to ask ourselves, who gets to determine the mission of the church, what it is, and uh, what's it about? Because a lot of times you ask a church to come up with a mission statement and a vision statement, and they we get this committee together and we find out that you know this is what we want to do and stuff, blah blah blah. But hasn't the Lord already determined our steps? Hasn't He set the example for how we should do it? And so if we're going to find a vision and mission, shouldn't we look to see what the scriptures have for us? And it look, if we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with the light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So if Christ has the authority over death, if he has the authority in all the heavenly realms, shouldn't we allow him to determine our mission and our vision for our church? I think we should. Um, he set the example. He championed the faith. Um, he died so that we might live. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Why shouldn't we listen to him? Why shouldn't we? We actually should. It's pretty important. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What does God promise even before the Messiah comes? I'm going to send somebody to be there with you. You're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's right. Isn't that exciting? God wants to have a relationship with us. He sent his son on this earth to have a relationship with us. We are the ones that rejected him and killed him. So it's not on him, it's on us on that. That's what our sin has done. And so 
when we surrender to him and we reach up and we grab hold of him, he pulls us out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he allows us to have a firm foundation of his word and his truth so that we can be um, disciples of his, right? So the first thing before we even get to making disciple makers is you have to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to be your savior, And you're like, well, how do you get Savior? Where does that come from? Well, Jesus said that he was the Messiah, right? And then we call him Christ Jesus, okay? That also makes sense. Do you know that Messiah and Savior and Christ all mean the same thing? It means the one who saves, right? So when Jesus says he's going to be the Messiah or the Messiah is going to come here, they, expect, they have expectations for that, that he is our savior. The problem they had was that they thought he would, you're going to save him from an earthly kingdom. Christ came the first time to save us from um, a spiritual kingdom, from our sin, from death. Because he said from the very, very, very beginning, when um, the curse was laid on Adam and Eve and, and death was given, that he would send an offspring through Eve, and he would um, save us, avenge us from um, sin. What sin lead to? Death, right? But Jesus Christ, the gift of, gift of God, is, or eternal life is through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? So we have an opportunity to get out of death, to um, escape that from um, a Savior coming and that's what Christmas story is all about, right? That's what we're going to get into uh, next time I preach because Craig Gillum will be preaching next week because I won't be here. You're like, what? I shouldn't have let the cat out of the bag. Half of you guys won't be here now. I dare you. I dare you to show up next week. So, um, so we're going to be talking about making disciples. Making disciples. Yeah. Um, making disciples is what the church is all about. It's everything, okay? Every program, every building, every activity, every resource needs to fit into making disciples of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important in the church. That is why the church is here. As a result of disciples being made, we go and we serve and we teach like Jesus did. So we look at Christ's example, we surrender to his example, and out of that surrender, then we have an overflow of his spirit comes out, and we want to serve. We want to um, do good things, okay? You can't do good things to get salvation. You cannot do that, okay? It's you earn salvation by surrendering, and then you do good things. There's a big difference between that, and it's, it's the thing that Satan has taken and twisted. He says, oh, if you do good things, you'll get to heaven. No, you won't. That is a lie. Works do not get you anywhere, except for maybe a pat on the back, right? When you do works to get salvation, you are doing it out of self-righteousness, okay? What's that mean? It means I'm going to take my scale out, and I'm going to put Shane's good deeds in my left hand here, and my, my bad deeds in my in my right, and I'm going to put them on the scale, and I'm going to say, okay, I've done good deeds here, and so, oh, wait, wait, I'm sinning, and do they balance out? That's what the world says. 
is how we get to heaven. And I hope, I hope my good deeds outweigh my, my bad ones. You hear that all the time. I, I just hope I get to heaven. I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad ones. That's a lie. That is not how it works. Okay, you, you bust the scale. Christ busted the scale when he died on the cross, right? He says, surrender to me. I am the new scale. And I say, surrender, then you will do good works. And it's like, oh, okay. It's a hard concept sometimes to get until you get it. Then it's like, it makes so much sense because it's not about me. My Christian walk is about me surrendering, but then Christ does every, pretty much everything else, right? He says, you be my hands and feet, but I'm going to work through you. How do you know that? You know, you know that by following him, reading his word. We'll get into it more. So last Sundays, like I said, I, I heard, I was listening. I watched uh, the service, the whole thing. Um, and I heard a lot of good things from the elders. And they wrestled with the questions that were presented to them. And I was so encouraged because we're headed in the right direction. If, if they're getting at that level, it means it's trickling down. Um, that I, I preached on it enough that it's starting to trickle in to our, our DNA of a ch- as the church. And I think that's exciting. Um, that was one of the reasons why I had them share is because I wanted to see if they were paying attention. They were. So um, they passed. <laughs> you should be proud of them. I, I'm very proud of them. They do a lot of hard work. They make a lot of hard decisions, and uh, especially like we found out last week when the budget didn't quite line up with the giving, right? Um, That's not an easy decision. They wrestled with that, and they prayed about it, and their decision to move forward the way they did was a wise decision. It was was done over time for, um, so you should be encouraging them. It's hard to, when you get to a spot like that, and the people that are, you're leading, really balk at what you're saying because um, you're like, well, then you start questioning lots of things, right? So I'm, I was encouraged by that. They had the, they came with biblical answers. They came with biblical answers. Um, one I heard a lot was time with each other, time with, time with, uh, over and over and over. I heard prayer over and over, um, reading God's word, loving one another was implied, and a lifestyle of worship uh, was really hit home, especially by Craig Gillum. Um, and they were very honest in their assessment of the church. I thought, I, I was glad they, they assessed it the same, very similar way I did, that we're kind of stagnant. And part of that is because of COVID, isn't it? Like, it seems like every time we get going, we, we get to do something cool, then the pastor gets sick with it, right? It, or the next person. And we got to take some caution with it. We understand it is not um, a fun uh, virus to go through. And the older you are, the more vulnerable you are. But it is also, um, we can't let fear control us either. And so we need to press forward as well because he's got the whole world in his hands. And that seems kind of bold somewhat, but it's also necessary sometimes so we don't get trapped by fear. And um, I know not everybody agrees with what I just said there, but um, that's, that's me being strong in, in my faith moving forward, knowing that God's, God's got this because I'm not going to be able to beat COVID by myself. 
So that kind of covered the front side of the Disciple Makers formula. You can see it there in your bulletin. It's, it's a TW plus 4K times D3 equals Disciple Makers. And Disciple Makers is a disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples. Okay? We want to see three generations, which we'll get into that when we talk about D3 a little bit here. But TW there, you can write next to that, you can put time with. TW is time with. How can you make disciples without spending time with somebody? And this is where COVID, I think, hurts us the most, right? It's because getting time with was, is difficult over the last 18 months because it's how are you going to make disciples over Zoom? It is, it's possible, but it's really hard. We discovered as a youth group that Zoom youth group doesn't cut it, doesn't cut the mustard. Um, it is about getting time with. It is about touching each other and uh, fellowship with one another. Fellowshipping, it's a word. Uh, uh, fellowshipping with one another. Yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. Um, so as we go... It, you wouldn't believe the first Sunday back, there was almost like tears in these kids' eyes that they had a place that they could fellowship with one another and, and get along with one another. So it is hard to make disciples being apart from Jesus as well. And if we encourage getting time with Jesus, we want to say it's me plus the Holy Spirit. And this is a good thing, Right? But when we separate following Jesus from our friendships, we end up with a strong devotional life, but a little relational impact, right? So I know my Bible really well, but I don't really know how to share my Bible. I know my Bible really well, but I don't really share it with other people because I'm not sure if I want, I don't want to offend anybody. But the Lord doesn't say to share the whole Bible in one helping, right? He says, Give it in little doses. And then when they start to ask questions about it, then you um, intersect the gospel a little bit more. So we decide then to get time with friends. However, we separate our friendships from our relationship with Jesus. We end up doing life together, but we make little impact on their and our spirituality. The, the, The danger with leaving our spirituality just to our devotions is we become um single-minded a lot of times, and we come up with our own opinion on something, and then it becomes um, the law, and sometimes our opinion is not always right, or it can be refined or polished a little bit better, and a better, broader scope, because how many times do we look at God and just be like, oh, I understand you, and then he goes, no, you don't, (laughs) right? We, we'll never understand God. We can never understand. Once we think we get a grasp on him, he just blows our mind again and shows us that there's something so much bigger than us out there. And so TW, time with, is all about you and me and the Holy Spirit. So we come together in small groups, in um, Bible studies, in time where we can get some time with each other to spur each other on toward the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can spur us on toward him as well. And that's important. If we don't do that, then we're just uh, a group of believers either having a good old potluck or, or we're having a personal devotion, and it, it doesn't work, right? 
dare I see, say I've seen country clubs do more for a community than a church that looks like that, right? And that's not what we're here to be. We're not here to be a country club, are we? We're here to be a church that is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so that takes an opportunity to spur one another on, right? When we um, had the opportunity to serve during COVID at the food pantry, that was one thing that really um, solidified this group, I think, uh, gave us a place of fellowship and things. But it also, we were able to incorporate uh, the gospel, I think, into that message of, of giving as well. And so, time with comes with the expectation of enhancing someone else's spiritual growth, like Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want to know what you've been reading in your in your Bible study. I want to know what you're, you're wrestling with in God's word because it is something that spurs me on. And when you're like, well, what do you think about this, pastor? And I'll be like, well, you know, I haven't really looked into that too much. I'll be honest with you. I won't bowl you. Um, I had, just ask the McKims. They ask me about Revelation stuff all the time. I'm like, I haven't even got to that chapter yet. I, I don't know. I, I can give you a, a, a guess, but I have no idea. Um, Revelation's hard. So what do I preach on, Revelation? Yay, <laughs> right? But it's also important. It's also important to know Revelation too. It's the one, one book in the Bible that you um, study and receive a blessing for studying it. It also um, helps us see what's the foreshadow of what's to come. Satan is defeated, isn't he? Sin is defeated. And if we are living a life of sin, then we're defeated as well. And God wants us to rise above that, surrender to him, and um, walk forward in his name. And that's something that we can do. But we can do that together. And you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, that's why we need time with, right? We need time with people that do know. And so we'll get into that uh, a little bit more when we get to D3. So who do you need to spend more time with in God's word? Maybe it's one of the four names that you wrote down earlier. <laughs> now you know why I had you write those down, right? Time with, look at those four people. Who are you? can you pour into, or maybe they can pour into you, right? Time with doesn't mean necessarily that you're also always inflowing into somebody else, but maybe you're overflowing, uh, someone's overflowing into you, and we'll talk about that in a minute as well. So TW plus 4K times D3 equals disciple makers, 4K. 4K is, K stands for Kavanaugh. You spell that K-A-V-A-N-A-H. Lots of A's. Put a consonant in between an A and you'll be fine. That's right, K-A-V-A-N-A-H. It's an archery term, which means to hit the bullseye. If you can't spell Kavanaugh, you can spell bullseye. (laughs) It means to hit the mark on a consistent basis. I was reading a book, um, it's called, uh, it's the Rangers series that I I was reading, and the Rangers, the King's Rangers were, um, they'd have archers in the the army, and they they would say, the archers, they will shoot to hit the bullseye. A ranger will shoot till they don't miss. 
And I kind of think that's the difference between a congregant and an elder slash pastor. Congregants shoot to hit the bullseye. Pastors shoot till they don't miss. And that's the difference between... That's the only reason why I haven't become bivocational as a pastor. Because sometimes I feel like I can go out in the world and do this, just the same thing, but God's called me to shoot until I can't miss, and I cannot do that working a secular job and um, being a pastor at the same time. So it may, we may get to that point someday, and I will do that with joy, but uh, then I will ask you to step up your game and shoot just as well as I am because I'm doing the exact same thing as you, right? So... Heads up. <laughs> so there are several different spiritual disciplines that come um, to allow us to um, show our surrender to the Lord. There, but these four, I think, stand out um, above the rest. And if you do these four, the others will fall in line. And these, this is 4K. To study scripture, to know God. Study scripture to know God. Number two is being prayerful or having a life of prayer. It's a lifestyle of prayer. Uh, pray, pray without ceasing is what it says uh, in the Bible. It says uh, pray continually as well. How do you do that? You involve God in your conversation. You know, when you're trying to figure out that math problem, get God involved in it. When you're trying to figure out that um, rent, ask God about it. When you're trying to figure out how awesome God is, ask him about it. He'll reveal himself in all those situations, and he will help bring a piece that passes understanding to get algebra done, taxes done, or to grow in your faith as well. And so um, that's one way. It's just involve him in your conversation. Number three is to love extravagantly. God tells us to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love my neighbor? Well, let's try to justify it, right? What's, what story does Jesus say when the guy says, well, how do I love my neighbor? The story of the good Samaritan, right? Who's, did Jewish people like Samaritans? No, hated them. Why did Jesus make the Samaritan the hero of the story. To illustrate, obviously, that you should love Samaritans too, right? Jesus always did that. He makes the tax collectors the, the hero of the praying stories. He always takes um, the, the outcast, the downcast, the downtrodden. He points out um, people's faith. He always points out uh, the Romans' faith. He never points out somebody's Jewish faith. In, in the Bible. If you look through the Bible, um, it is always somebody that's a Gentile that he points out their faith because the Jewish people should know better. They should know it already. But when a Roman comes and says, uh, you can heal my, come heal my servant. And he's like, no, you don't have to come. Just say he's healed and they'll be healed. And he's like, wow, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. This is amazing. Jesus commends him. Um, he says, 
to another one, uh, just believe and they'll, they'll be healed. And he goes back. That, that one's in John. The other one was in Luke because I just, I've been listening to Luke. So 4K, we have those four things. Study scripture to know God, prayerfulness, love extravagantly. And the last one is um, worship-filled lifestyle. That one comes from Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it, not for yourself, but as unto the Lord right? We want to scrub toilets for the Lord. We want to um, preach the gospel for the Lord. We want to raise our kids for the Lord and all the things in between that go with that, right? And that's important. And so we see this formula come into effect and we have TW plus 4K. When you work those together as a disciple of Christ, you have D1, Okay. So you have inflow then. So inflow comes with, it's fueled by God's power and presence and our intentional actions, okay? It's fueled by God's power and presence and our intentional actions. It's faith in action, okay? You cannot have, say you have faith. You have to have some action that go with faith, right? So you need to ask who is pouring into your life to guide you in studying scriptures to know God? Who do you have in your life? Is it one of those four names that you have down already? Is it somebody else in your life? Maybe it's something, um, hopefully it's somebody besides me that you have pouring in there. Um, if it's not, then maybe it's time to look into this Thursday night Bible study. Who is modeling and inspiring you to a lifestyle of prayerfulness? Do we have somebody that would be willing to show up at 9.30 and pray um, and start a prayer group before Sunday? That would be amazing, I think. Who has come alongside you to show you how to love others extravagantly? I think the one thing that I've definitely learned from the food pantry is how to give generously. Um, I've learned a lot from you, Miss Judy, on that. So... Um, everybody can set an example on, on how to do that, right? And there's times, that, there's things that we need, I need to work on too. There's things I need to uh, learn how to do better. Um, and who is a role model when it comes to doing life as worship? And that means when you garden, you garden for the Lord. When you wash your car, you wash your car for the Lord. When you're doing the dishes, you do the dishes for the Lord. When you um, go to the amusement park and you go down the roller coaster, you're roller coastering for the Lord. Like, in all the highs and all the lows, you do whatever you do. You work at it, not for yourself, but you do it for the Lord. And that is a different way to live. That is um, not normal. And you start living like that, and the world definitely takes notice. And then you start getting pushed back, right? Because they don't know how to handle that. Um, they're not even doing it for themselves. They're not even asking for any of the accolades. Uh, they keep giving it to the Lord. I don't understand this. I found that out this year. Yay. <laughs> if you had people that have poured into you like that, inflowed into you, have you thanked them? Have you let them know? That's important. 
it's important to let them know to say, um, have you told them? You, you set the example for me in this. And it's okay to have several people set the example for you because if I'm the only one that sets the example for you guys, we don't have anybody looking out for our, our widows and orphans around here because I, I don't do a very good job of that. You're like, amen to that. <laughs> um, but there are so many people that do a great job of that. I know uh, Ruthie makes sure that the prayer um, email keeps going on to Ralph and Joyce. I was really excited to hear that. So they, they know what's on the prayer chain. And I've seen other people do some really cool things here. And they don't advertise it. Okay? And I'm not going to advertise more than, than that one because I think, I really believe that their reward comes in heaven then, right? And I don't want to steal their, their reward because guess what? The Bible says that. You know, if you don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, your reward's going to be in heaven for that. And that's, that's awesome. I've seen um, large and small sums of money given to people and nobody ever knew uh, except for the pastoral staff here or the, or the elders, and it's, it's been pretty awesome on, on that too. So God's watching over us. Um, and I, I loved what Doris said last time. If we keep inviting people, we won't have to worry about that $4,000 gap in our budget. I thought that was, that was dead on because, you know, even five bucks a month starts coming in, and then pretty soon that gap is filled, Right? So we will trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we'll acknowledge him, and he'll direct our paths. So when we do that, we'll know um, what he has in store for us. If you look at Romans 15, verses 13 and 14, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you have trusted in him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are, are full of goodness and you know these things so well that you can teach others all about them. I think Paul is saying this a little bit in sarcasm and a little bit in truth because he knows some of them know, know what they need to know and they can teach others. Some of them um, claim they know what they need to know and they are not following it. All right? So many times, this is where we as Christians like to quit. We find somebody that's going to pour into us, and we just sit there, and we suck down the, the goodness that, that comes. That's why we come to church, is to pour into us, and we say, wow, we are content with what we have. We grow comfortable, and then we grow ineffective in our faith walk because we don't really want to take any responsibility to go and make disciples ourselves. And that's hard to hear. I remember when I, I first realized this when I was, I don't know, I was probably a freshman, sophomore in, in college. I'm a consumer Christian. I suck. <laughs> right? Because isn't that like, isn't consumer Christianity self-righteous as well. It's saying that um, it's all about me. I need more. Feed me. I feel like an infant, um, and I, I can't, I, I will eat all the time, but I, I just give me more, 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 more. 
And there's something wrong with that because um, I become a glutton and fat on spiritual wellness, but in a sense I become ineffective because I'm a Christian glutton. And I need to go out and give something that's given to me because I need to share that. That's when I really started coming alive um, for the Lord. I start, that's when I started reading the Bible uh, through in a year. That changed my perspective. You ever read the, the story of uh, David and Goliath for yourself? It's different than what you learn in Sunday school. Um, when he chops off his head and runs around like a crazy man with his giant, probably 12-pound head, um, bleeding all over through the bat- battlefield, yeah, that's different than what I read. <laughs> so that's, that's something else. So this is why we're asked at the, the front side of the service, who are you wa- willing to share this with? Who are you willing to share this with? It's important to pay it forward, even if it's somebody that, that knows, that you know knows the message that we hear today, right? It's still important to share with somebody because it gets you in the habit to start talking about it, right? Hey, this is what we talked about in church today. Um, it's pretty neat. It's pretty amazing. I know you know it, but it helps me review and have the courage to share it with somebody that doesn't know because there's going to be an opportunity this week when somebody's going to come to you hurting and you'll be like, dude, I got the hope. Um, it's my Savior, Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus, right? That's number one song on Christian radio right now. There's an expectation or responsibility to share what we have learned so others can know about these things too. Who are you going to overflow into this week? And if you're unwilling to share, then I believe Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 is for you. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, You need someone to teach you again the basics about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. And I stopped at verse 12 because it only gets meaner after that in verse 13. So God is calling us to not only inflow, but to overflow. Fueled by God's power and presence and our intentional actions. So if we're supposed to overflow, who are we pouring into to guide them in a spiritual studying or to studying scripture to know God? Who are we pouring into to help them to study scripture to know God? Who are you modeling and inspiring to a lifestyle of prayerfulness? Moms, you can do this for your your kids at home. Dads, you can Share this with your kids at home as well. A lifestyle of prayerfulness. Why do we pray before we eat? It's almost like a mini fast, right? Because you're saying God's more important than this meal that I'm about to partake, and this meal's pretty important because I'm starving. Right? That's, you're, that's why we pray before we eat. It shows an act of surrender. You're like, I didn't know that. Now you do. Who are you coming alongside to show them how to love others extravagantly? Who are you being a role model to when it comes to life as worship? Have you told them? Had you pray for them? So, William, come here. Craig, come here. So, it looks like this. Stand here, bud. Stand here, bud. (laughs) 
So you have D1 to D2 to D3, right? Um, one disciple to two disciple to three disciple. Craig's been pouring into me for years. I've been pouring back into him as well. But he's been pouring into me, and I pour into William. Does that mean that Craig can't pour into William? No, he can pour into William. But we see three generations here. I Kind of put yourself in the center. Who's pouring into you, and who are you pouring into? Does that make sense? That's D1, D2, D3. That's disciple making. A disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples. Does Craig need to know who William is? No. Does he know that? Does he need to know that William exists? It helps. It's really encouraging to know that your disciple is making a disciple, right? And so, but Craig doesn't need to lead William to Christ, right? No, he doesn't need to because that's he should have trained me how to do that, right? And so I've trained William. And so I, I come alongside him. Now I'm the D1, to, he's the D2, and who's D3? To him, you guys can sit down, thank you. Does that make sense? It's a continual process. You have to see three generations when we have followers of Jesus Christ. TW plus 4K times D3 equals disciple makers. So D3 stands for three generations of faithful followers. If you want to know that you're an effective disciple of Jesus, you be able, should be able to find three generations. Have you taught your disciple how to make more disciples? Until you see that, you are not an effective disciple maker. You might be a disciple because you've taught somebody else how, but until they understand that they need to teach other people how, then you have work to do, Right? There's expectation in God's word for it to continue and to, to grow. And he chose to do that through his church. That is why the church is here, to share the love of Jesus Christ, to love extravagantly, to surrender to the Lord. Right? So let's look at a couple of examples, and I think I have those in your bulletin. Yep. On the back there, 1 Corinthians 4, 17, 16 and 17. It says, so I urge you to imitate me. That's verse 16. I urge you to imitate me. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. Okay, That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, as I teach in all the churches, everywhere I go. Okay? So look at that verse. And so I urge you, underline you, to imitate me, underline imitate me. That is why I, circle I, have sent you Timothy. Timothy, underline it. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Was Timothy his real son? No, he was his spiritual son, right? He, underline that, will remind you, underline that, of how I, circle that, uh, follow Christ Jesus, underline Christ Jesus, as I teach all the churches, underline churches, wherever I go. So especially that last line, he will remind you of how I follow Jesus Christ as I teach in all the churches everywhere I go. How many generations do you see there? How many generations do you see? Do you see at least three? At least three, right? At least three. So he reminds you 
So he, being Timothy, reminds you, that's two, the Corinthians, of how I, Paul, followed Christ Jesus, that's four, as I teach all the churches everywhere I go. And you could say, Paul's starting a fifth, right? Every time he goes to a new church. He's starting the process all over again. You look at 2 Timothy 2, 2. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Okay, so this is Paul. He's talking to Timothy. So you as Timothy have heard me, Paul, teach these things and confirmed by many reliable witnesses. So these the apostles that came before Paul taught Paul. Paul taught Timothy. Timothy is to teach others trustworthy people who then will teach other people. That's five generations. Okay? Can you see that? You have to have at least three to see the gospel going on. But there's an expectation for more. Right? Does that make sense? That's what D3 is all about. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You need to see three to see sustainable growth. Right? That's why they look at uh, uh, the birthing rate in our country and stuff, because they want to see sustainable growth. If there's not sustainable growth, that's one way to kill off a country, is to wait them out until they die off because they didn't procreate, right? That's what we're dealing with in the United States right now. Yay. So, this whole formula is where I believe God wants us to go as believers, as a church. Is getting the grass mode important? Yeah. But is it the main thing? No. No. Is feeding our neighbors important? Yeah, it's important. Is it the main thing? No, it's not the main thing. Is having fun at youth group important? Yeah, it's important. But is it the main thing? No. The main thing is making disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we know how to keep the main thing the main thing? How do we know how to keep the main thing the main thing? The, the one way I found to do this is by large doses of pie. You're like, huh? I got four people to wake up right there. <laughs> pie? That's right. Uh, P stands for prayer. Before every major decision in Jesus' life, we see him on his knees praying many times all night. When he picks the disciple, he prays all night before that. When he um, calls them, he is praying the night before, many times after he's praying as well. Disciple Maker's Prayer is based on seven passes listed in the bulletin. You'll see that right here as well. Um, I would want you to... I would encourage you to study this passage with friends or family members or maybe one of those four on the list that you led. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and to love people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. 
Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, who makes disciples, who makes more disciples. Ad infinitum. In Jesus' name, amen. Ad infinitum means over and over and over and over and over to infinity. Or until when Christ comes back, right? As a good prayer. It's based on those seven passages of scripture. I would encourage you to look that up, study it, and then take a pencil and write and underline like colored pencils where that fits in uh, that scripture. So underline Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, and then underline it in the, in the passage. And some of them overlap. They go over. You can box, you can color in. It's fun. I have one in front of my off, my computer in my office. That's why so the first one's prayer. Second one is initiate. Time with and Kavanaugh. So the TW plus 4K is to initiate in your current relationships. You look at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. It says, The following day, John was again standing by two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist. And Jesus walked by, and John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw they were following him. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about the four, four o'clock in the afternoon when he went with them to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. How long did they stay with him? Yeah, which is two hours longer. Six o'clock is, is the rest of the day. They spent two hours with him, and they knew he was the Messiah. They knew it. And what did they do? They went and got their brothers, right? Andrew went and got Peter. John went and got James. Who initiated the contact on this? Jesus did, right? Sometimes people reach out to us. Sometimes we reach out to others. God can work with both, so don't limit yourself to one or the other, okay? Let's look at um, the example of John chapter 1, verse 43. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Who initiated contact on that one? Jesus did, right? The first one, Andrew and John initiated contact. They said, Lord, where are you at? Come and see. This time, Jesus goes and finds Philip and says, come follow me. Don't be limited by um, that weird phone call of somebody wanting to hang out with you that day. That, that's not a God appointment, right? God has something for you, and he wants you to engage, which is the last part of pi. So prayer, initiate, and engage. Therefore, go and make disciples. Get time with the person and intentionally study God's word together. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Do life together with Jesus in the center. What's that look like? Are you a stay-at-home mom? Then go every part of your day mothering in a God-honoring way and seek to make disciples of those who cross your path, starting with your kids and other mothers, etc. Maybe you're the place where everybody comes to hang out. 
Model Jesus for those people. Are you a student? Then go apart, go about every part of your day being a student in a God-honoring way and seeking to make disciples of the, with the whole, those who cross your path, starting with your friends at school. Are you in business? Are you in construction? Are you a truck driver? Are you in the healthcare industry? Are you in sales? Are you retired? Then go apart about every part of your day as that business professional or whoever in a God-honoring way and seek to make disciples of those who cross your path. You get the idea? Where do we start? We start with praying the disciple maker's prayer. It changes lives. It will change the way you think, the way you do life. Initiate some level of friendship with a few where you live, you work, you play, and you church. Engage in some level of TW plus 4K times D3 with those friends and see where it goes. You're like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. I'm not even sure. Go to the Gospel of John and just start reading through it. And you get to a section, you're like, I have no idea what that just said. Read it again. Well, maybe it means this. Well, yeah, let's go with that for a while. John will, John will iron itself out. He'll show you by the time you get uh, midway through John chapter 1. It gets pretty easy after that. John chapter 1, 1 through 14 can be a little tricky sometimes, but um, just know that Jesus was at the very beginning. He is God, and you know, you'll get along pretty well. Right. So you start with prayer, initiate some level of friendship, engage in some level of discipleship. Will you commit to praying the disciple maker's prayer daily? You're going to notice I'm not going to jump off that kick anytime soon, so might as well. (laughs) Will you initiate some level of friendship with those around you as the Spirit leads? Just intersect the gospel in there. You know, when I, I get into troubles like that, I, I pray. Can I pray for you right now? Yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. that is a, that's a great way to just intersect the gospel. See how simple that was? You're like, wow, I can do that. You know, I learned in God's word that um, if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, um, it's going to go better for me. And so I've been trying to do that. Do you, do you want to do that with me? Um, can I pray for you right now? See, see how it leads to prayer a lot of times? All right. And will you engage in disciple-making friendships with the time with, with the four areas of Kavanaugh and um, to make disciples of Jesus Christ? Who is pouring into you? Who are you overflowing into? Right? Does, does God work out of the poured-out cup? No. He fills your cup, and he works out of the overflow. You have to be filled with the Spirit to be able to overflow the Spirit. He doesn't want you to pour out the Spirit, so now I'm empty because I gave it all. No, that's enough. You've given it enough. Pour, let the water flow into you, and overflow the cup. Out of the overflow, that's how he's going to work. Just like it says in James, with your tongue, you know, Out of the overflow of the heart, the tongue speaks, right? The mouth speaks. Same with the Spirit. When He's working, um, He will overflow 
out of your heart and speak the truth as well. Just make sure you're doing it in love. That can be tricky sometimes. It takes practice. Once you do it several times, you'll be fine. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we